3 John, verse 11, the center verse, of, I believe, of 3 John is verse 11. He, he tells Gaius, Beloved, follow not that which is evil, but that which is good. He that doeth good is of God, but he that doeth evil hath not seen God. I trust that as we have gone through this book that certain words may stand out to verse 11 and they, they carry us through the entire book there. A word that stands out in verse 11 this week will be doeth, doeth. We'll be studying verses 5 through 7, taking a little bit of a swipe through this book uh, this evening. All these verses are connected, so we'll be looking at verses 5 through 7. If you read those verses with me, he says, Beloved, thou doest faithfully whatsoever thou doest to the brethren and to strangers, which have borne witness of thy charity before the church, whom if thou bring forward on their journey after a godly sort, thou shalt do well. Because that for his name's sake they went forth, taking nothing of the Gentiles. The title of the message this evening is, Doeth Faithfully. Doeth Faithfully. Or in our modern language, Does Faithfully. Does Faithfully. And I know that's a sentence fragment. You don't get quite of a, uh, a full idea there. But from these words that we can read in verses 5 through 7, we can honestly see that he says... Thou doest faithfully whatsoever thou doest. And he says to the brethren and to strangers, but also just in general, he knew that Gaius did faithfully or trustworthily in whatever he did. What a testimony. What a testimony this sinner saved by grace has. So in looking at that, going back to our, our central verse there, following evil or following good, would you say that Gaius had a, a good testimony or a testimony that he is of God or would you say that he had a testimony that he hath not seen God it appears as though he had a testimony that he is of God right so do us faithfully in this this section it starts with that word beloved and and that word beloved or beloved comes several times uh, in in this book it, we read it in verse 11 we, we studied it in verse 1 well beloved it's the same it's the same word that God the Father used in the baptismal scene of the Lord Jesus Christ. This is my beloved Son in whom I am, in whom I am well pleased. Also at Transfiguration, my beloved Son in whom I am well pleased. Hear ye him. And that word beloved, if you recall, means esteemed or dear, worthy of love. And there is none beloved or well-beloved greater than the well-beloved of God Almighty, Jesus Christ. John, the beloved, you know, he, he said throughout the book of John that he was the disciple whom, whom the Lord loved, whom Jesus loved. Uh, he, he understood what this word meant then, if, if, having been there at Transfiguration, at least as much as any man can in this, this mortal frame. So for him to extend this recognition, that this greeting to Gaius on a multitude of times, you can see that, that John does great honor of God through Gaius. He's, he's honoring the work that the Lord had done in Gaius and not as much honoring Gaius himself. These characteristics uh, to esteem means to, to highly respect and admire. I don't know what kind of a person Gaius was before the Lord saved him. 
I know some people, many of us actually, that before the Lord saves us, we're not very highly esteemed. Even among our fellows sometimes, we're not highly esteemed. But Gaius, because of the grace of God, was esteemed by the people of God. Also, dear, regarded with deep affection, cherished. He, he loved him. He held him close. And that is a precious thing among believers, to, to have a closeness with one another. And that word, uh, the word beloved also means worthy or having some qualities or abilities that merit recognition. And the merit doesn't come by Gaius. The merit comes to God for the work in Gaius. But indeed, that work of God did come through Gaius because we do see we see that in the text. Okay, so as we see doing doeth faithfully or does faithfully, we see that the beloved do. But it should be the desire of all the beloved of God. When 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 God Almighty, he he he, I am well beloved of God, because, but not because of any esteem or worthiness that I have. It's because of the esteem. Of, of Christ Almighty, the Lord Jesus Christ. And our memory verse, he hath made him to be sin for us who knew no sin, that we might be the righteousness of God in him. Likewise, the well-beloved of God in him. Likewise, the esteemed and dear and worthy of God in him. That's, that, that's, how, we, that's how we have such, such, such place then. If you remind yourselves of what is said in, in Ephesians chapter 1, in verse 3, Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who hath blessed us with all spiritual blessings in heavenly places, called us beloved, according as he had chosen us in him before the foundation of the world, that we should be holy and without blame before him in love, having predestinated on us the adoption of children by Jesus Christ to himself, according to the good pleasure of his will. To the praise of the glory of me, because I'm so esteemed, uh, uh, to be highly esteemed or worthy of praise. No, to the praise of the glory of his grace, wherein he hath made us accepted in the what? Beloved. Esteemed. Right? He is the, he is the beloved. Christ is the beloved. But because we're in him, now the children of God are, are beloved. So it's wonderful to recognize the love of God when we call each other beloved of God it's, or brother or sister. We're recognizing the love of God in one another. It's wonderful. I'm very careful. And I've told you all before, I'm very careful who I call brother and sister. If I don't see the work of God in somebody or they have not testified uh, according to the gospel account of repentance and trust in Jesus Christ, I don't call someone brother or sister lightly. It is a recognition of the work of God. And how could John confidently call Gaius repeatedly beloved? Well, Gaius, as you have read multiple times, I hope I've asked, that when you read through 3 John, Gaius gave many demonstrations of the work of God in him, didn't he? He gave many demonstrations of that. In verse number five, we see thou doest faithfully or trustworthily. One that can be relied upon, showing faithful in a business, or the execution of commands or discharge of official duties. Evidently, John had talked and been with Gaius for at least a little while and instructed him in things concerning and pertaining to godliness. And, and, and that after salvation, as we looked last time when he called him his, his child in the, in the truth, his child walking in the truth. 
Paul said the same thing of Timothy, and Timothy was already saved. So was it was it, was John just merely there for the development of, of Gaius spiritually, used of God, or was John present for the salvation? We don't know, and it's not clear. But we do know that that Gaius must have shown himself faithful by the work of God. Again, that's the work of God. Remember that we're not going to cover them tonight, but the fruit of the Spirit. There's the works of the flesh and the fruit of the Spirit. All of us have the flesh in common, and we can get in the flesh with anybody and have that in common. But the work of God is that Spirit of God that works through, and there is fruit of it. There's evidence. There's a manifestation. There's a produce of that. And Gaius, being a child of God, through the work of the Holy Spirit, did perform faithfully, or, the, or God himself was trustworthy in showing Gaius trustworthy as a child of God. What was he faithful in? What was he trustworthy in? He was trustworthy in the truth in verse 1. Now, there are many that say they're looking for truth or seeking for truth or they love truth and they want to study the Word of God and, and find truth. But if you pin them down, they're, they're looking for answers that appease themselves or, or console their consciences. But Gaius was very well okay with his flesh being smitten for the truth's sake. And that's what happens to a person who is faithful in the truth of the Word of God. I'll be honest, in, in many, if not most, of the messages that, that, are, that, are, that, I, that, the, that are prepared, that I prepare, there's weeping and there's sorrow, there's, there's repentance that's, that's involved. Why? Because this Word of God smites the flesh. And one who is faithful in truth will be often smitten in the flesh. They'll have that that response as Paul did, O wretched man that I am. The more we see into that perfect law of liberty, what what does it set us free from? James called it the perfect law of liberty. What does it set us free from? But the bondage of sin according to this flesh, doesn't it? It's precious to the soul, but it's smiting of the flesh. But one who is faithful in the truth is well acquainted with that. And one who is is, uh, faithful in the truth actually desires that this flesh be put away. They desire to take up their cross and to crucify this flesh and follow after Christ. And I believe Gaius was such a one. He was faithful in that. He wasn't one that would study the Word of God just just to massage his hobby horses or saddle his hobby horse, but one that diligently desired to see God Almighty high and lifted up. To rehearse often through scriptures to see how that how that sinners must have died according to the law, but Christ died instead. And what that did in the life of the people of God. I believe Gaius was faithful. It says he was he was faithful, or he thou doest faithful, faithfully rather. I believe he was faithful in the truth. I also believe he was faithful or trustworthy in, in prosperity of soul that he desired. He desired. He desired that his soul prosper. Yes, he may have had some means, and it appears that he did because we're going to study in just a few moments that he was able to give some merchandise or, or some payment or some kind of allocation to traveling missionaries so that they could continue on their journey. And not everybody has the means to do that, but he evidently did have means. But his, his desire wasn't his means in the flesh or, or earthly means, but his desire was that his soul would prosper. And I believe he was faithful, faithful in that, seeing the spiritual things, that is, and not being overcome with this present world. Someone says that they have a desire that their soul prosper, but this present world has a grip on them. Something's not, something's not lining up. 
He was also faithful in walking in the truth, and we examined that last week. You know, so to walk in truth or desire to walk in truth, and when, when, when that walk is interrupted or disrupted or self-inflicted, we cast ourselves aside out of the way. As we've read many times in 1 John chapter 1, verse 9, if we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. I believe that, that just as much as Gaius was, was faithful in his walk, he was also faithful in repentance. He was also faithful in seeking cleansing of God. And being faithful in these things, I think he was also faithful in being faithful. He desired to trust the Lord and do what he says in all things. And I believe that's borne out in verse 5. Beloved, thou doest faithfully whatsoever thou doest. Whatsoever. That word whatsoever is conditional, provided a cause. And in this case, you can see there's indefiniteness or, or an uncertainty of limitation and whatsoever you do to the brethren. Now, if I said I was faithful in anything that I did to, to Lex, that's a pretty broad range of things that I could be faithful in, isn't it? So when he says to the brethren, okay, and to strangers, that opens it even further. You have, you have to think about what's going on. But what was he faithful? He was faithful uh, to who? He was faithful to God. Not, not that he was faithful to, to these strangers uh, in, in the first sense. That's the secondary sense. Being faithful to God, he is faithful to brethren and strangers. You see the two great commandments there, don't you? One loving God will love their neighbor. Now one can, in a sense, in, a, in an earthly sense, have a care for their neighbor and bake them cookies and check on them when they're sick and, and collect their mail for them and that kind of stuff. But a true God-honoring love of God will bring a true God-honoring love of neighbor. You can see that as we've been going through the law, that, that, uh, that, that loving your neighbor is a lot more than just saying, I love you. It's looking out for your neighbor, promoting your neighbor, hedging your neighbor in, protecting them, right? There, 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 it, it, there's a big walk in loving your neighbor, and it appears as though that, that Gaius was faithful in, uh, toward God and evidencing it toward his neighbor. It appears as so. That, that in, in inf indefiniteness, okay, knocking on the door at midnight, Gaius would have opened the door, it appears, that type of thing. Jill and I used to sell life insurance, and they would have us to write down, you know, who do you know this way, who do you know that way. If you were broken down the side of the road in the middle of the night, who could you call to, 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 to come help you, you know, that type of thing. And that list gets pretty short once you start asking those type of questions. But, but I would trust that any one of us could call any one of us and the, the, the person on the other end of that phone would come running. I, I trust that that would be the case. That's my perception that it would be anyway. And I thank God for that. That's the work of God, again. Faithfulness, again, faithful to God and faithful in showing that toward others. Faithfulness will be further elaborated on, but we know Gaius walked in truth in whatever he did. So, truth then advocates for faithfulness. Someone says they love truth and they don't, they don't exhibit faithfulness, something's not lining up. Somebody says that they love truth but don't dare walk in it or don't dare say that I need to walk in it, something's not lining up. Truth has to have faithfulness 
to uh, faithfulness behind it, right? It has to have a trustworthiness or a reliance upon. Again, Hebrews chapter 11, by faith, so-and-so did such-and-such, right? There was an evidence to it. So if someone says that they love the Lord, that faithfulness will have an evidence. James said, show me your faith without works, I'll show you my faith by my works. Faith without works is dead. James said it so many different ways. So he's faithful in whatsoever he did. I don't know if he had kids, but picking the kids up from school, you know, picking the corn, I don't know what he did for a living. Whatever he did, he was faithful in to God. Do all things unto the Lord. That's that's how we're supposed to behave ourselves. I believe that's how gays behave. Do us do faithfully. Do us faithfully. He says, do us faithfully, faithful in, in whatsoever thou doest unto brethren and strangers. And this, this further intensifies whatever you do. Okay? So I've known people, and I'm a person, so I've known me too, that behave a certain way in front of certain people and behave another way in front of other people. Remember how Peter was guilty of that? He would behave one way in front of the Jews and behave another way in front of the Gentiles. So some people, they behave one way in the church house, and they behave another way outside the church house. There have been so many so-called pastors and so-called uh, societies that they preach one thing behind a pulpit, and then you, you turn on the news, and there they are molesting children and, and, and robbing banks and all kinds of stuff. I know of one man that was... Uh, that, that he, whenever he stepped down from the church, all of a sudden the treasury was gone and he bought himself a new Corvette. People have different, quote, personas. I don't believe Gaius had a persona. I believe Gaius was who he was by the grace of God. He treated everyone the same, and he did so in a faithful way. There's different ideas on what brethren and strangers are, so I'll just present them to you and I'll tell you which one I don't agree with. I, I, I think two of them could be right, but I just don't agree to, to the third. One way to look at brethren and strangers would be to Jews and to Gentiles, right? To, to, to Jews and to Gentiles. Now, one reason people uh, say, say that, and they, you can take it either way you want it. Gaius is a Latin name, but so was Paul. Was, was Gaius a Jew and he treated Jews and Gentiles the same? Or was he a Gentile and he treated Jews and Gentiles the same? Whichever the case, both of them would be, well, both of them would be godly to treat them according to the grace and mercy and love of God Almighty. That, that would be a right thing to do. Another way of looking at this is the brethren would be of your own home local church and the strangers would be those of the faith yet of another assembly. You know, you, you, you treat believers of, of, of where you go to church the same as you treat believers where, you, where somebody else goes. You just, met, met just met them today, but they're members of other assemblies and you treat them like they're family, which would be a good thing too, right? So brethren and strangers. The third, the third way that this is translated out, and I do not agree with it, would be believers and unbelievers. And that's unlikely because it says in verse 6, that they, they bore a record of his charity before the church. And I don't, I don't believe an unbeliever would have any cause to come before assembly and talk about how godly somebody else was. It just it doesn't make sense. So why bringing up brethren and strangers? Well, it talks about he, he's not partial to persons. He, he's no respecter of persons, which is great to know about faithfulness. Okay, 
It's great to know about faithfulness. With, with, with Gaius, there were no factions. With Gaius, hey, you're a brother in Christ, uh, or, or you're not. You're, you're, you know, or you're, you're a brother of somewhere. He treated them all the same, which is great because that exhibits the love of God. It really does. I've been in churches, and maybe you have too, that that you could tell walking in the door that there were factions, that there were ins and there were outs. There were people that you're not supposed to talk to. There, there are people that, that they, they just hug the walls on opposite sides. That's not how Gaius was. He didn't play the politics. He loved according to the love of God, and that's, that's such a wonderful thing. And he was faithful to do that. Read verse 5 again. Beloved, thou doest faithfully whatsoever thou doest to the brethren and to strangers. He treated them the same, and, and that's not just emotionally, and that's not just how he talked to them, but in a, in a literal and in a practical way, he showed love toward them. How so? How so? Verse 6. Which have borne witness of thy charity before the church. There were believers that Gaius had helped as they traveled, okay? Which they, they told... They told how Gaius helped them to the church where John was pastoring at the time. So all manner of believers would, would delightfully do so, and unbelievers would have no interest in bearing such witness. But, but think about this, though. How in, the world, how in the world do they testify of the love that was in him, which have borne witness of thy charity or thy love? Did they go over and say, well, Gaius, he really said that he loved us over there. As that passage in James, that we, we, we were hungry and we were tired and we were cold and we were on our journey. And, and, and old Gaius, he said, well, the Lord be with you as he, as he waved off his porch and we, we rode off into uncertainty. Is that, how, is that how Gaius expressed his love? No, I don't believe so. He says, whom if thou bring forward on their journey after a godly sort, thou shalt do well. I, I believe he provided for their means. Hey, I believe he provided for their journey. But back up just a little bit, though, concerning the church. Think about that witness before the church. Uh, when we just went to Florida, I stood before you all and I said, hey, this is how they treated us and this is what they did for us. And it was such a wonderful thing. I was glad, glad. Uh, we, one of the, the, the dear members over there in that church in Plant City, we just received a letter today. Uh, with, with further, further travel expenses or assistance. There was a love offering there, and that was well received. Uh, what, what a testimony that this person had a continual love. We've been gone for a couple weeks now. We've just met a couple times, but a continual love to, to see that the people of God had made their way and that they had a, 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 enough resource to get to where they were going. Such a testimony of love. And I'm glad to talk about it. Some people have no desire to report to the church, though. Can you imagine that? A lot of folks, they, they, uh, they present before the church. They, they come forward, you could say, when the Lord, when, if and when, when they say the Lord saves them. You know? But have you all ever seen anybody come before the church other than that? I've seen people come before the church in repentance, of, and, and, and nobody else knew what was going on. They came before the church in repentance, reporting to the church, the work of God in them, and yes, repentance is a work of God. 
coming before the church, when when I perceived that the Lord had called me into the ministry, I stood before the church there in Denham Springs and told them those things. I believe this is the work of God in my life. Some people have no desire to report to it. Why do I need to go to a church? Get them to go to church in the first place is something else. But reporting to the church? I don't answer to you people. But thank God for such a witness that was brought before the church. It's wonderful. It's wonderful. Some people see no need to report to a church. No, I, I do church at home. Well, who are you going to report to? Who are you going to report to? Facebook doesn't count. Some see people have no interest in being in the church, and some have no idea what an expression of love in the church would be or, or should look like. It's wonderful to tell somebody you love them. But if that's all we have is words, what if that's all God had was words and didn't send his only begotten son to be the propitiation of your sins? How terrible the love of God would be. But no, the Lord, God Almighty, he acted upon his love. And I believe love does bear witness. Love has occasion for a witness. This word of God is the witness and testimony that God Almighty loves sinners in the person and gospel of Jesus Christ testimony bear witness so how did they bear witness to the testimony of, of the charity before the church well there there must have been examples right reading the book of malachi there's contrast well i love you well wherein, wherein have i loved you well i chose you over esau esau have i hated and 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 uh, and and jacob have i loved i got the backwards jacob have i loved and esau have i hated Wherein? Wherein did Gaius love? They expressed the love toward the brethren and the strangers. Well, he provided for them. You see, love sees to the needs of others. Apply that to the gospel. In, in 1 John chapter 4, love sees to the needs of others. Chapter 4, verse 10. Herein is love, not that we love God, but that he loved us and sent his son to be the propitiation or mercy seat or covering for our sins. Herein is love, he said. Beloved, beloved, that word, beloved, esteemed, worthy. If God so loved us, we ought also to love one another. How? Can I cover your sins? Can you cover mine? Well, love does cover a multitude of sins. But to meet the needs of others. Love God. Love your neighbor. Love one another. So I believe Gaius truly did. Truly did love. And that love was born, uh, born witness, born record in front of the church there. I believe that's also, and we're not going to spend much time here, it, it also, it, it, it presses to me the importance of the local church. The local New Testament visible, authoritative assembly that Christ Almighty started and has carried down through the ages that the testimony of true loves would be presented in such a place. It would be wonderful if such, you know, we testify of the love of God and also uh, admire the love of God in one another. That, 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 and not pumping each other up and, you know, making our, our heads swell, but admiring the work and love of God in one another. If Ephesians chapter 2 and verse 10 is correct, and I believe that it is, that we are his workmanship created in Christ Jesus unto good works, which God hath before, uh, before ordained that we should walk in them. To admire God in one another would be right and appropriate. Not worshiping one another, but admiring the work of God in one another. Admiring the work of God in one another. We meet on a regular basis and we're surrounded by miracles. 
The dead now live and perform the works of God. That is a miracle. 1 John chapter 5 and verse 3, For this is the love of God, that we keep His commandments, and His commandments are not grievous. That is the performing of a miracle by God Almighty among sinners. And I believe that's exactly what Gaius was doing. And that bringing it forward in verse 6, evidently there were some still brethren and strangers that were with Gaius because he, he was going to bring them forward or send them on their way. So this was not a one and done kind of a thing for Gaius. Okay? Oh yes, I did my duty. I gave, I gave my $10 and sent them on their way. I, I believe Gaius was known as a person that in that area, if there was a traveling minister or company of believers, Gaius' house was known as one that they could be received in. So there was more than one phase, at least two phases, of believers that were with him. One phase had testified unto the church where John was. Another phase was still with him and were going to be put on their way directly. So that's a wonderful testimony in itself, right? That he was a, a, a perpetual person that doing uh, faithful and whatsoever he did among brethren and strangers. That this is who he was, not for a day or not for a season, but it's who he was. Evidently, Gaius had means then, right? I don't believe he was, and he may have been, but I don't believe he was just uh, uh, feeding out rice and beans and water to these people. I believe he truly was taking care of them. But I mean, I believe also Gaius had a godly love to help the children of God. It was his desire to help the children of God. Just as much as that, that dear member over in Plant City, it was, it was this person's desire to help the people of God and express a love toward them. We didn't ask for it and they didn't, they didn't tell us it was on the way. What, again, what a, wonderful, what a wonderful testimony. Particularly, Gaius had a love in helping and assisting missionary efforts and supporting them. I thank God that this, this assembly has a, a desire in missionary efforts. We, we do support some people that, that I believe carry the gospel, and they do it faithfully. And I thank God for that desire for, that you have to support missionary efforts. I think it's wonderful also that, uh, such as when... Uh, Brother and sister DeWitt and their family came that you desired uh, to be to be with them and, and, and to, uh, to, to have company with them and, and to get to know them well and not, not simply just stick them in a hotel where but embrace them for that that time that we were here. I, I love it to hear that the children of God love and assist and help other children of God. It's wonderful. Gaius had a reputation of his generosity and his faithfulness to the children of God. And, and I believe that that, that uh, reputation even sings out today, doesn't it? It's wonderful. Again, not, not adoring Gaius, but adoring the work of God through Gaius. But yes, Gaius as a person, and we as people, can learn from these things. Children of God, I know funds are precious, but we would do, be, do well likewise to be known for our generosity. It would be difficult if, if we were to invite people for meetings and for speaking engagements and that type of thing, and, and we, we weren't uh, sensitive to the needs of, of travel expenses and that type of thing. When we, uh, and, and I know it's, uh, being on the other end of that, it's well appreciated. It really is. Um, when we went to Texarkana, uh, they, when we opened the, the, the hotel door, they had this big uh, cornucopia gift basket 
you know, that, that had all these snacks and things, and I didn't care that much for it, but the kids really, they, they really did. They enjoyed those snacks, and when I say I didn't care for it, I tried, I'm trying to minimize my snacking. I would have eaten the whole thing by myself, but, uh, but the kids really, it, it, it was a thoughtful thing to do. It was a caring thing to do. The church there in Plant City did the same thing. We opened up the door and there and and boom, there's all 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 these snacks in a basket. Just just such a thoughtful thing to do. Precious. You know, we send out cards and letters and magnets and expressions of love and these th- those things. Even if there's not money associated with it, the expressions of love among the children of God are wonderful. But particularly in this passage. He says, and if they'll bring, bring forward on their journey, he didn't send them, they, they couldn't travel with well wishes, and they couldn't travel with, with uh, thank you notes. I mean, there, there were tangible things that they needed for the journey, and I really believe that, that, that Gaius had supplied those things, and they understood those things as expressions of love, it says there in verse 6. I believe we should be known for our generosities and and we we should be faithful stewards of of the Lord's funds and finances and and, 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 uh, of the items pertaining to the work of the Lord. But expressing of love, I believe it is right and appropriate and commended in the word of God. He truly did love helping those who were in need. And we should truly also love helping those who have uh, the, these people had come to Gaius on as part of their mission journey. It appears in testifying of the gospel of Jesus Christ. And according to our love and ability, we should likewise help those who have come and travel this far and um, and and broadcast the gospel in like manner. This is a behavior of a godly man or of a godly sort of a. Uh, is, is what it says. Look at that. It, it, whom if thou bring forward on their journey after a godly sort. That's also translated worthy of God. Yeah. Jesus Christ, God in the flesh. If he were to walk through these doors, what kind of loves and appreciation would we have toward him? Gill said, in imitation of God, who is merciful, kind, and beneficent, or generous, this is how Gaius performed himself, behaved himself. So, for the glory of God and the furtherance of his kingdom, and by the grace of God, as God was merciful and kind and generous toward man, so Gaius thought himself as a man to be merciful, kind, and generous toward men, especially those to the household of faith whom he was entertaining. Look at Galatians, please, just for a moment, chapter 6. Galatians chapter 6 and verse 10. As we have therefore opportunity, let us do good unto all men, brethren and strangers, perhaps. Again, I don't think it was strangers in in 3 John because the strangers as unbelievers would have no reason to testify before the church. But hear what he says, unto all men especially unto them who are of the household of faith. The household of faith. Brothers and sisters in Christ. So doing good, not wishing good or praying good, but doing good, assisting, helping, expressing the love of God toward one another. Again, love sees to the needs of others. And I believe 
that after a godly manner or after a godly sorrow or in a manner worthy of God, Gaius was faithful to show himself that way unto other believers. In doing well, he says, thou shalt do well. It would be an evidence of his faith in God. It would be an evidence of his trust in God. It would be an evidence of his gratefulness toward God. It would be an evidence of the beauty and loveliness of God shown through him. It would be an evidence of what is well-pleasing toward God, seeing to the needs of others. It would be an evidence of the loving Lord, trusting the Lord and obeying the Lord, coming through this vessel that we see named Gaius. Truly, he was doing faithful in all that he did. Faith, He did faithful in all that he did. So why was he doing this? Well, verse 7 expresses their cause. Now, if they were, if they were just people moving through, it would be a very generous thing for him to do. But the cause in verse 7, because that for his name's sake, who, Gaius, John? No, that for Christ's name's sake, they went forth taking nothing of the Gentiles. These went forth for the name of the Lord Jesus Christ, preaching the gospel of repentance. Now, people preaching the gospel of repentance, the true gospel, and I'm in a charlatan's gospel or one that, where someone's writing books and trying to sell them, but the true word of God, one will not get rich. They're not going to. You're not going to make a whole lot of friends. You're not going to have a, a vast kingdom on this earth of one is truly advocating for the name and reputation and the glory of God Almighty. They truly won't. These people on their way, they needed means to move and survive. And Gaius, for the name of Jesus Christ, was a partaker of the same. You see, whenever he would help them in assisting that, what did the Lord say? If you offer a cup, or a cup of water to the least of my children, you've done the same to me. In assisting this, he now becomes a partaker of the namesake of Jesus Christ in the gospel ministry. How wonderful. How wonderful. Moving forward, preaching, baptizing, and associating with other churches. That's what those people that were visiting Gaius, that's what they were all about. They were, they were evangelizing, teaching in the name and reputation and the glory of the gospel of Jesus Christ, anticipating souls being saved, that they'd submit to baptism, churches would be established. And in all those things, again, Gaius was a partaker in that he supplied for their needs. Is that after a godly sword? I would think so. I would think so. Is that why he did it? No, I think he did it because of love. The love of God and the love of God's people. They took nothing of the Gentiles, and that is that they were not selling the gospel to unbelievers. They weren't, they weren't performing these things as a, as, a, as a trick and circus act. You know, they, 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 they were authentically sharing the gospel. They were not taking from charities, or they were not taking from the masses, and they weren't taking from the world, and we shouldn't either. If we're out here on the, on the side of the road with gospel signs and handing out Bibles and somebody offers us a dime, we should turn it down. Why? Because we're not doing it for that. But also, our work is for His namesake, for His glory. May we be at a loss that His, that his gospel would be at, at gain, at great gain. 
Likewise, look here in verse 7. For his name's sake, they went forth taking nothing of the Gentiles. They were confident that the Lord would bring them forward after a godly sort, and so should we be. They were confident that the people of God, that the work of God would come forward after a godly sort or a manner worthy of God, the Lord Jesus Christ having a pillow for a stone. Or a stone for a pillow, right? Mix that up. Are we confident that the Lord will bring us on our journey? It's easy for us to say now. The people of God have had to answer that question under great duress in the past, and we may well in the future. The Lord will make a way. The Lord provides. He does. But they would not be chargeable to any man. Second Thessalonians, we read this just a few days ago, but please review this. In Second Thessalonians uh, chapter 3, 2 Thessalonians chapter 3 and verse 8. Neither did we eat any man's bread for naught. They paid for what they ate, but wrought, worked with labor and travail night and day that we might be chargeable, that we might not be chargeable to any of you. So of unbelievers, they would not be beholden to them or or be obligated or owe them anything or or be uh, required of them some duty. Of believers at times to show them a more excellent way, not in it for the money. So these people were not in it for the money. But thank God for those that ingenuousness of heart and no desire for any any repayment and genuineness of heart truly did help them on their journey. They were following the pattern of the apostles. If you turn to Matthew chapter 10, Matthew chapter 10, verses 9 and 10, these men that were, and women perhaps, these that were on their, their journey, Matthew chapter 10, verses 9 and 10, provide neither gold nor silver nor brass in your purses nor script for your journey. Neither two coats, neither shoes, nor yet staves, for the workman is worthy of his meat. A way will be made, and thank God that way was made through Gaius for these. Be responsible, trust in the Lord. First Timothy in verse chapter five says much the same thing. First Timothy chapter five, verses seventeen and eighteen. Let the elders that rule well be counted worthy of double honor, especially they that labor in the word and doctrine. For the scripture saith, Thou shalt not muzzle the ox that treadeth out the corn, and the laborer is worthy of his reward. Quoting the Lord Jesus Christ there. So these men that had come by Gaius, or they had they had visited him, and they came for the, Lord, the, the namesake of the Lord Jesus Christ. They took nothing of the Gentiles. They would not be holden to any of them. They would not uh, be uh, set at naught by them. They wouldn't have to owe them anything. And also showing uh, a, a measure of gratefulness toward the Lord and the people of God. These people, it was a display of their faith in God as they went forth. They trusted the Lord would provide, they trusted the Lord would save, and they trusted the work of the Lord that will cause others to be faithful in whatsoever they did. Trust. So you see on both sides here, Gaius, a man that loved to help help the people of God, and you have the people of God who love to trust the Lord and depend on the love of the people of God. What a testimony. 
What a testimony. Whatsoever thou doest, thou doest faithfully. Children of God, we ought to be faithful in everything that we do. We ought to be trustworthy in the Lord in whatever we do, not of my own self, but trustworthy in the Lord. Finally, my brethren, be strong in the Lord and the power of His might to behave trustworthily, right? Yes, you're responsible to do all to stand, as it says in Ephesians chapter 6. He was faithful in His doing. He was faithful in whatsoever. He was faithful in behaving in His behavior toward the brethren and to strangers. He was faithful in the report among the churches. He was faithful in bringing others forward in their missionary efforts in the kingdom of Christ. He was faithful in helping others in the cause of the namesake of the Lord Jesus Christ. He was a faithful man. He really was. May we desire such a testimony for the glory of God. I believe this is a testimony not for the glory of Gaius, but for the glory of God. But this was a man that God did use in a great way, I believe. This starts at home. Charity starts at home. You ever heard that, that, um, that phrase before, charity starts at home? Don't be handing money to, to people on the street if we're not being diligent in our own homes. Charity starts at home. This also extends to travelers, conference speakers, fellowshippers, friends, guests. Somebody doesn't have what they need. We should, to our ability, help them. I'm not advocating you hand somebody a $100 bill that walks in the back door, but I can sure make them a sandwich real quick. Show the love of God. Show the love of God as, as God did evidence through Gaius. And whatsoever he did, verse 5, Beloved, thou doest faithful in whatsoever thou doest. May our witness be that in truth and by grace we do faithful in whatsoever we do. It is the work of God, and we can take no credit for it, but we are responsible, aren't we? We are responsible to behave as the children of God, relying on God, confessing our faults, confessing our sins, desiring true cleansing. We are responsible. May we have such a desire that whatsoever we do is we do it faithfully for the glory of God. Sinner, your witness is that you have a great need. That's what your witness is. Gaius, by the grace of God and by the mercies of God, he has a, he has a wonderful witness for the glory of God. Sinner, you have a terrible witness and you have a great need. Now, maybe you are as wayward as, a one, as one could be. You know, just, you just stink as bad as one could stink. And maybe you're squeaky clean by examination of the eyes of man. In either case, before God, you're wicked, wretched, lost, and undone. Not beloved, not esteemed. The Lord is angry with the wicked every day. How is one then beloved? Well, not getting into the details of it, I believe I, I don't believe you can be turned from a goat into a sheep. But I do believe one can be lost and then found. I do believe one can be dead and then alive. What is that difference? What, what, what is the difference between that unsaved and the saved at last? It is the gospel of Jesus Christ. How that he died for the sins of his people. Those, this, my sins were literally put on him in that God the Father saw him as if he were me and he judged him accordingly. He was buried and rose again. 
Outside of Jesus Christ, God the Father will see you. you uh, the Son sitting on His throne, before, that white throne, He will cast you alive in the lake of fire. Outside of Christ, there is no hope. The testimony of the ages will be wailing and gnashing of teeth, bitterness, anguish. I encourage you to repent, to understand again, to hear the love of God. The, the love that through God was evidenced in Gaius' life, which have borne witness of thy, love, thy charity of love before the church, the love of God, 1 John chapter 4, verse 10 again, here in his love, not that we love God, but that he loved us and sent his son to be the propitiation or mercy seat or covering for our sins. Behold what love. Salvation. Cleansing. The dead and rotten made alive and well received of God. Do you see your great need? There is no solution outside of the love of God, and the love of God is exclusively expressed toward men according to the gospel of Jesus Christ. No other means, no other method. There is no way, no man can come to the Father but by Him. I encourage you to repent. Turn from yourself. Turn from every wicked way, every evil way. Turn. And by the power of God, Believe on the Lord Jesus Christ and be saved. May the Lord bless the preaching of his word.